0: hey this is jeremy mccrory and this is the run for jesus podcast a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your christian life like never before Listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. All my VBS workers, are you still with me? Some of y'all said you got a little bit of rest yesterday and. Uh, and some of y'all said, well, you didn't get much rest yesterday, so, uh, if you fall asleep, I will not hold it against you this morning. So, uh, it is rather dark in here, so, uh, hopefully it's okay that I preach from the floor where I can see just a little bit better. <laughs> uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning, if you're looking at a pew Bible, it's 1,213, 1,213 is that page there, so, uh, It'll be, again, we're in 1 Peter, and we'll be looking at this morning, a second part of Godly Living. Uh, week before last, we, we talked about Godly Living, being alive in the Spirit. The good life is what we called it. But this week, we're looking at this a little bit further. You know? So we look in this passage, and we see Christ's example of patience under suffering. All of us go through things in life that we didn't plan for. But we look at Jesus in this and Jesus responded to suffering in his life, though he had not committed any sin or guilt of his own. He dealt with the suffering of mankind. So Christ suffered for our sins. We see all of the things that go about because of that, what what caused him to do that? What were some of the sins that mankind had? that put us into that position and we're going to look at that this morning so jc ryle said it this way he said christ would have lived and taught and preached and prophesied and wrought miracles in vain if he had not crowned all by dying for our sins as our substitute his death was our life his death was a payment for our debt to god without his debt we should have all been creatures most miserable So looking at verse 18, we're going to spend a little bit of time on 18 and then we're going to move a little bit further, but in verse 18, it really gives us the understanding that Christ died for our sins. No other purpose did Christ come, live and die for than our sins. As he rose from that grave, he conquered the sin that easily entangles you and I. So let's look at verse 18 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. It says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, and the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So let's, let's break that apart. Christ died for our sins. Once and for all. Once was enough. When he died, he took care of sin once and for all. And so that passage looks at Jesus as a substitution. Well, what's a substitution? That means putting one person or thing in place of another or replacement. And so I was looking at that and I understood that Christ saw our sin, he saw how ugly, how stained. How horrible we were for the things that we done, and yet he still accepts to be put in our places. And for us, just when everything looked most dismal and catastrophic, Jesus brings that hope. I love the analogy of being a light in the darkness that surrounds us. The light of our world. Jesus came at the night hour and died for us that we might have freedom from the sin in our life. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. He came for you and for me, for us, for all who would believe in him. He gives freedom. He gives freedom from our sins. He steps in our place. It's often said that the the Scotsman William Barclay shared the story And the story was of a missionary who went to an Indian village to tell the story of Jesus. Following his talk, the Christian showed the slide presentations of Jesus using a whitewashed wall for the screen. The picture of Christ on the cross appeared. A man sprang to his feet, exclaiming, "Come down from the cross, Son of God. I, not you, should be hanging there. So it leads us to ask, who did Jesus die for? Who did Jesus die for? Did he die for Christians? Did he die for unbelievers? Did he die for Americans? Did he die for Jews? Did he die for white people, black people, all people, all people in all places at all times so that they might have the chance to obey, to believe, to deny, to to do all of those things. They have the freedom to know Jesus Christ and to know Jesus Christ is to know who? To know God, because Jesus takes us and takes us to the Father, right? He takes us and presents us as righteous before the Father. So to know Jesus is to know God, because previously we were not in right standing with God. We can't come into his presence because sin cannot occupy that space. But because of the righteousness and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can come before God and be presented in that way. In looking at the dictionary and looking up this as substitute, Jesus died as a substitute for sinful humanity, taking humanity's place on the cross. See, the reality of what Jesus did is this, just like the example was given here, that, that we deserved the beating that Jesus received. We deserved, because of our debt of sin, the cross. We deserved death. Eternal with no way out. We deserved all of that. But in His love for us that still resides even today, Jesus chose to die for us. He took our place. Why would He do that? John 10, 11 reminds us this. That I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. So Jesus chose to see us as God's creation and chose to reunite us with the plan and the will of God that we might be once again in right standing with God. To understand where this thing went wrong, you have to go back to the book of Genesis, and you have to see that Adam and Eve, they actually got to spend time with the Lord in the cool of the day, didn't they? They were walking in this Eden, this this great place, and they actually had in the cool of the evening time to walk with the Lord I mean actually be in presence with him they got to be with God who created them and they got to be in that close communal relationship that right or righteous relationship and so through Jesus we who were previously far away because of our sin are now brought close to the Almighty he took our place He was the Good Shepherd. So why did He have to die? Why did He die? We know that there has to be, within the culture of the Bible, a sacrifice. There has to be an atoning. There has to be something that is put in the place of sin. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, you see animal sacrifices. You see, a lot of times, I love the one where where it shares about the fact that they did a sacrifice for the sin of humanity, but also... There's also a lamb that's let out to go into the wilderness, signifying the forgiveness and then the remission or scattering of that sin. And I believe that that Jesus died so that once and for all, the sacrifice of God would be evident on humanity. And so there was hope for the hopeless. And I know many of us go through life and there are times we feel like there's no hope. And we feel like that all of the decisions, the choices that we've made are somehow upon our shoulder alone, bearing a load that we weren't meant to bear alone. And so he brings hope. When there is hope brought into a moment in our life, it changes the whole outlook of what we see and how we look at life. When the hope of Christ enters into your life, it changes everything. It turns it upside down in the most glorious, beautiful way. Because then it becomes not us looking at the sin in our lives, but knowing that He has taken all of that sin and scattered it from our lives. Be forgiven and love by God. So then when we look around and w- what we should see when we look around is the hope of Jesus Christ. When we look around, we ought to see the glory of God around us as we live in this world. As believers in Christ, we have a hope, a certain hope that this world does not have. And so. He died to bring us to God. There's a, there's a word in the Bible called sin bearer. And as a sin bearer, what is that? It is a person or animal that acts in God's sight in a substitutionary capacity to whom are transferred the sins of others together with a corresponding penalty for those sins. So he died for us that we might be delivered from our sin. Deliverance means being saved from harm or detriment. In other words, there was absolutely no other path that would have led to our salvation except through Jesus Christ. And so I believe back in the garden, we're kind of told that, aren't we? As Jesus is praying, sweat, drops of blood come down, all those things that happen. And he says, if there's any other way, remove this cup. But then he says, I understand. God, it's your will, but not mine. And so He chooses to continue to die for us. So what has changed because of this? Let's look back at 1 Peter 3, verse 19. As it goes forward here, it says, In which also He went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely upon the water now. Now, it, it goes back to the fact of what happened when Noah told everybody that the world, <laughs> there was going to be this big flood that was about to happen. Did everybody believe him? No, everybody probably said, "Noah, you're crazy. But in that there are people who perished In that you're given a choice of being delivered from what's about to happen or continuing on in the path that you have already started in your sin. And we know that the pathway of sin leads to destruction, leads to hell, leads to just being there forever separated from God. And it's a place of torture. It's a place of fire. It's a place of hurt forever and ever. But there's a path that leads to an almighty God. And leads to safe passage from the storms of the life that we have. And leads to the forgiveness and remission of sins. And that path is Jesus Christ. And there's two traits of God that we need to know. And maybe these words are foreign to you and I hope they're not. But if they are, write them down. There are two different traits of God among all of them. And one is He is omniscient. Omniscient means that He is all-knowing. That means He knows our greatest struggle. He knows our greatest hardship. He knows what's going on in the world today. He knows what's going on in our lives that we're struggling that nobody else knows. He knows of all people at all times. He knows. He knows, but He also knows what we need. So he, not only is He omniscient, He is omnipresent. That means He is present everywhere and at all times. That means He's not absent in your life in the bad times. He's not absent in your life when you struggle with temptation. He's not absent in your life when you get a diagnosis that you did not prepare for. He's not absent in your life when you lose your job. He's not absent in your life when you struggle with addiction. He's not absent in your life when you deal with the worst day you've dealt with ever. He's always present. He's, he's, he knows where we are And just what we need at the right moment in time. Because the reality is this. Sometimes what we pray for is pretty selfish, isn't it? And then we we pray that God, God, I want you to do my will, right? And I want you to do it like I want you to do it. But the reality is God operates differently than we do. God doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And he meets us at the place that we need it the most. And oftentimes we think, well, well, he's not operating on my timetable. But when does the Bible ever say that he does that? He operates as we need him right when we need it. And thankfully, he doesn't give us what we asked for. He gives us what he knows that we need. He is all knowing and he is present everywhere. And then in Jesus' resurrection, it changes Everything. How many of you know that his resurrection changed everything? Not only did he die for our sins, not only did he go into that grave, but he came out of that grave. And you've got to understand that there's no one that's ever came out of that grave for me and for you. There's no one that has ever conquered sin and death for me and for you. There's no one that could ever reunite us with God like Jesus. Of all the sacrifices that happened over time, nothing compares to Him. Verse 21 says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's an authority and a power that comes behind Jesus. Jesus just wasn't another man that did good things, right? Jesus had a power and authority that was only given by God Almighty. And so we see in this passage that is brought about, verse 22, it says, Who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him? He has the authority and the power over life's hardest moments, even in our own lives. Everything is subject to him. So how do, we, how do we extrapolate all these pieces of what this passage says? I began to understand and look at that this past week as this past week was both gloriously fun and ridiculously tiring for a lot of us. Most evenings were kind of just just chaos in a bag, but they were... Directed by God. With all the kids running around, you begin to ask questions. And the little ones in, in the class that I was helping out in, you know, you think little ones, they, they don't really pick up on things, but they pick up on a whole lot. And they understood the basics this week that, Hosanna, who Hosanna was. They understood that, that Jesus died for the sins of humanity. That He loved them that much. That, that he was here this week. And there were, there were several kids who gave their life to the Lord. So they really, really understand this. So I thought about all those that came this week and their families. I thought about all of us who struggle with sin and sin's hardship in our lives. And I began to think about the things that we understand in life. When you think about heavy chains... Heavy chains hold things down, right? If you're driving down the highway or the interstate and heavy chains are holding something of magnitude down, we're kind of grateful for that fact. But they provide strength even when pulling between two trucks. So for me, I think about the gravity of what a chain can do and how it can hold things down. And I also think about the fact that sin is kind of weighted as well. And I begin to think about it this way, that sin can seem like chains that weigh down upon our souls and spill over into our lives, making us feel like there's no escape. Making us feel like we can't get out of these chains. And the reality of sin and the debt of sin and the weight of sin and all of that, we can't get upon or get out from those things ourselves. And it can feel like we're weighted down. But what I'm also reminded of in thinking of all of that. Is that Jesus breaks every chain of sin that binds us. Amen. But we must be willing. Right? We must be willing to confess. And let him do what only he can do. If you've ever placed your trust in an individual or in something in this world, only to have it falter or fall through. If you've only trusted in you know, this kind of thing that promised everything and delivered on nothing, we need to look at what Jesus promises and how He's come through each and every time. And someone told me this one time, the best indicator of Him coming through now and in the future is looking back in our lives and seeing How every time we went through things in life, Jesus was there. And every time that we struggled the most and went off course, Jesus was there. And every time we dealt with loss and setback, Jesus was there. Every time we dealt with temptation, Jesus was there. And He helped us in that moment find freedom through Him. So, not only do we understand change and sin in that way, but freedom came through Jesus our risen Savior we're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 53 in Isaiah chapter 53 it demonstrates in a lot of these Old Testament passages things that are going to come about in the future so in Isaiah it pulls direct details about what the risen Savior is going to look like and what's going to happen And you say, well, how can this be known outside of a direct revelation by God? But it says here in Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, But He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. Amen? Amen. Verse 6. All of us. Notice that doesn't say just a few of us. This is all of us. Like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. So Jesus... Bore our iniquities, our sin. He who knew no sin drank deep our sin and chose to die on a cross. He was beaten and pierced for my transgressions, for your transgressions, for our sin. He was crucified in my place, for our place. He died. But three days later, he arose. And I want you to understand this, that he broke the bonds and the weight of sin. In other words, my debt, your debt was canceled once and for all. The debt that we owed was paid for. And you can't pay the same debt twice. Amen. He paid it once and for all. He doesn't need to write another check. He doesn't need to show up again and do it again. He did it once and for all for all people. So not only did, did that occur in that freedom through him, but Jesus intercedes for us with God. Can you imagine God Almighty saying, this person is condemned and Jesus saying, wait a minute, I stood in their place so that they might have freedom. And because of Jesus, God's saying, okay, their sin debt is erased because they know you. And it says in Romans 8, 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. all we think there's a lot of times that we have nobody on our side. We think that the odds are stacked against us sometimes. We think that the difficulty is too hard. But God, through Jesus Christ, intercedes for us over and over and over again. And I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Because the reality behind that is is that Jesus intercedes for us when no one else will. Every time. Fourthly, we see in this that we need to draw near through the Holy Spirit's power. Romans 8.11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, Through His Spirit who dwells in you. When you are a believer in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in you. It's what differentiates us from the darkness of this world. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That means not only do we think about God. Do we think about Jesus. We think about the Holy Spirit that lives in His people. He knows us. More than anybody else knows us. He knows and is with us. We need to draw near to Him. Fifthly, we see that He never leaves us. Never leaves us. Romans 8 says this in verse 38 and 39. It says this, For I am convinced. And that means that I know, right? I have every assurance. I know That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what can separate us from Him once we are a child of God? Not a single thing. Not a single thing. He never leaves us us you know in in, in talking to some of our kiddos this week some of their little stories will just break your heart some of their stories include parents not being around some of their stories include you know having a family member who went off to war and, and died and did not come back and it just breaks your heart their stories But in explaining Jesus to these kids, I wanted them to understand how Jesus is a friend at all times. That Jesus is that friend that will not let you down. He is the one who will never leave nor forsake you. He's the one who walks with you every step of the way. And when everything else falters or fails, He remains with you. So He never leaves us. And lastly, He is not slow on what He promises. Amen? Thank goodness. He is not slow on what He promises. Everything that God has promised, He has done. We can look back to the Old Testament and say, well, they had to wait for years and years, but even though they had to wait for years and years for Jesus to come, wouldn't you think that it was worth it? Isn't He worth it? Amen? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Aren't you thankful for God's patience in our lives? Because some of us are stubborn. Some of us like to hold on to the things we can control. Some of us like to like to think that we've accomplished something, but it's because of what Jesus Christ did, and it's because of the continued work of the Holy Spirit that you and I remain in right standing with God as we ought to. But He died for us. He wants us all to know Him. And He knows that there are some that will choose not to believe, yet He still died for those anyway. Charles Spurgeon said this in talking about Jesus. It says, Jesus has borne the death penalty on our behalf. Behold the wonder. There he hangs upon the cross. This is the greatest sight you will ever see. Son of God and Son of Man. There he hangs, bearing pains unutterable. The just for the unjust to bring us to God. Oh, glory of that sight. He paid it all. He took our debt. He canceled our debt once and for all. And through Him we have freedom. And that grace unimaginable. Grace is unmerited favor. Amen? So grace is something that we don't deserve. Grace is something that we don't often give out. But whereas we don't do that and we don't think in that way, God gave us grace. His mercy is endless. And He's willing to forgive us each and every single time. That means it doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter the period and time in life and what we're going through. He's there to see us every step of the way. So here's the invitation this morning. Those who choose to believe that Jesus took on their sin and died in their place, can find freedom from sin through repentance. And in the acts of punishment, crucifixion, resurrection, we can be reminded that the chains that we have don't have to be borne on us anymore. By His wounds, we are free. So if you need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, this morning is a great day. To be born again. And what it says in scripture is as you are forgiven the Holy Spirit dwells in you. That means you never have to walk alone. He's always with you. That we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus himself died for us and rose again. So I'm willing to pray with you through that this morning. If you're willing to come forward. Also I'm Waiting to pray with anyone who seeks prayer today. Every Sunday the altar is open and waiting. Do you know that you can come at any time and pray to God? Come directly to Him because of Jesus Christ. The altar is open and ready for you. Maybe you're here today and you've been coming for quite a while now. And you already know Jesus. Yet you want to be a part of friendship. We would love to have you here at Friendship. We would love to have you involved in what god is doing here at friendship so i'm going to invite you this morning to join me stand with me as i pray and let's go to the lord father god we come at such a time as this father we come at such a time as this and are reminded of your sacrifice for us Once and for all, for our sins, for all people at all times. That means that it's because of what you did that we can stand rightly before God. Father God, I pray this morning if there's someone that believes that they are too damaged, where you cannot save them, God, I pray that you remind them this morning. If it had to do with us, it would not work. But it's everything about what Jesus chose to do. As Jesus stood in our place. As He was the substitute. As He was the one who paid the penalty. He was the sacrifice once and for all, God. Help them understand that they are loved and cherished. That even in their sin, there's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray today, God, that you break every single chain in their life. And remind them just who they are that they are loved beyond measure and they can be forgiven if they're willing to admit the things in their life and confess them before you you are mighty to save and to forgive all iniquity father god i just pray god as we are here today and the weight of the world seemingly is on our shoulders we do not have to bear this weight because god you came that we might have freedom unimaginable You took our place and delivered us from the debt that we had owed. So God, I pray today as we're reminded of just who we are in you. But even more so, reminded of the Holy Spirit that's within us. That we are never alone. And the power that you have is unmatched and unparalleled by anything in this world. Father God, while the world around us seems to shake and falter, God, you never ever falter on your promises. Everything you say is true for all time. So God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the fact that you've never ever let us down. And Father, we ask for you to move in our hearts and minds and souls as we're gathered here today. It's in your mighty name that we give glory and honor. Amen.